It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's officially official. BYU, Texas, and Oklahoma will be conference mates for all of one season. What does it mean for BYU? What does it mean for the Big 12? We're talking about it on today's show. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you for making us part of your day every single day. I know you have plenty of options when it comes to your BYU content, so thank you for carving out some time for us. Our title sponsor on today's show is, uh, is our friends over at FanDuel. This episode of Locked On Cougars is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. All right, diving right in on today's show. It is officially official. BYU will be conference mates with the Texas Longhorns and the Oklahoma Sooners for, count them, one, exactly one season this upcoming year as it officially came out from the Big 12 Conference yesterday that the Longhorns and the Sooners are headed to the SEC after the end of the 2023-2024 academic year. That means one football season, one basketball season, etc., 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 on down the list until those two programs leave the conference and head to the SEC. Now, this has been expected for a long time. Both of them wanted to make the jump to the SEC in time to match what the Big Ten was doing, adding both UCLA and USC. The biggest holdup, based on how I was understanding it and how I read it, was that Fox, who was going to lose rights, obviously, because the SEC is going to be, have exclusive uh, partnership with ESPN beginning in 2024. Uh, the Fox side of things, with regards to giving up inventory, they were not happy about this. So they had to come to an agreement that was obviously going to make sure that Fox Sports felt like they were taken care of. Now... The official uh, number or the money that is going to, quote-unquote, exchange hands, even though it's not really exchanging hands, to make this happen, to facilitate this move, is $100 million. Yes, you heard that right, $100 million between these two schools. Now, neither of them are actually going to write a check, as some of us surmise they might have to do to leave the conference early. They have officially, uh, the the quote was from the uh, Big 12, that the early withdrawals from the two schools totals $100 million in foregone distributable revenues. In essence, they have uh, just given up or forfeited all of their money they would be making from the Big 12 Conference. Now, those will be able to be partially offset with future revenues from the SEC, etc. Moving into that conference, we just found out the SEC uh, paid $49.9 million to its member schools this year, and they have not entered that new uh, window with ESPN rights. So, that's obviously going to increase that number. They're expecting that between 60 and $70 million, uh, to start off. So these two programs, they're still going to make plenty of money hand over fist. But this is a big cash windfall for the, what they call the eight legacy schools in the Big 12. Those schools will split that $100 million between themselves. Now, this is obviously going to help those schools because the four newcomers, including BYU, coming into the Big 12 Conference, they are being cut in for about $18 million a pop over the next two seasons before the new media rights deal for the Big 12 uh, 
kicks in in 2025. Well, to facilitate that, the eight schools, the eight legacy schools, had to take a distribution revenue cut uh, to deal with that. Well, with this money being divvied up among them, it gives them uh, roughly between eight eight million. Oh, it's about eight million dollars amongst all of them to make up for that uh, shortfall that they would have had because of the new four newcomers coming in. But at the same time, the other thing about this, and Dennis Dodd reported this, is that uh, additional money from Texas and Oklahoma will be going to Fox for losing those schools' inventory in 2024. They've always... well, not always, but Fox always wanted to make sure they were going to make sure they were taken care of because Oklahoma and Texas are a draw on TV and to lose those rights, to have the opportunity to televise those games and to lose them, that's really tough. Now, the portion of the more than $100 million in exit fees will go to Fox to compensate for the equivalent of seven lost Texas and Oklahoma football games for Fox. So part of this cash windfall is going to Fox to make sure they're taken care of. The other part about this is it's actually necessitated with the agreement that some games are being switched up. A key part of the deal, according to ESPN, is that to let the two schools out early was a game flip of a non-conference matchup between Michigan and Texas. Texas will now go to Michigan in 2024 in Ann Arbor, and then Michigan will return the game in Austin in 2027. It originally been set up opposite of that. So Texas was supposed to, excuse me, uh, yeah, Texas was, Michigan was supposed to go to Texas in 2024. You, you, I'm talking about. So a lot of things happening with this. Now, uh, how does this relate to BYU? What does it matter, Jake? Well, that's the obvious question there. The biggest thing is now we know what the Big 12 is going to do moving forward. We, we know what their game plan is here because as uh, we have talked about previously, Brett Yormark, he is not a guy who's going to stand idly by. There are reports out there, and I I, talk, I actually tweeted this out yesterday from uh, ES, not ESPN, from The Athletic, uh, saying that three people with knowledge of the discussions for the Pac-12 said Commissioner George Klyovkov is struggling to find partners willing to pay close to what the league is seeding, uh, seeking. Excuse me. Two of those sources said Klyovkov overpromised his members on how many bidders there would be and what dollar amount they could command, a target north of $40 million. Dollars. Okay, first school, according to one league athletic director. Today it's uncertain whether the Pac-12 will even be able to exceed the $31.6 million average the Big 12 reportedly landed in a six-year extension with ESPN and Fox it reached last fall. Quote, we don't have a deal because it hasn't been good, said the AD. I don't mean to laugh, but the Pac-12's hypocrisy, their pompous nature, guys like Tony Altimore, whatever his jabroni name is out there, saying that the Big 12, well, they'll be fine, but they're, they're not the same classification as the Pac-12. Folks, the Pac-12 is in deep, deep doo-doo. They have got to figure things out. George Klyovkov is under a major gun. Now, I'm not saying this is completely on George Klyovkov because obviously uh, what was happening with the Pac-12 leading up to obviously the the hire of George Klyovkov has not reflected well. Larry Scott, he was a blight on the Pac-12. And I mean that I mean that in every sense of the word. He was a bad bad dude for that conference and his bad juju has hung over that conference like a stench or a blight that you just can't get rid of quite yet. George Klyovkov has got to deliver, but for him to tell Pac-12 schools, you know what we're going to get? We're going to get 40 million dollars a pop. That's just completely asinine. What is this dude thinking? Has he got his head uh, stuck in the sand like, "No, we're the Pac-12. We're 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 the big dogs on campus." Dude, Read the bleeping room. That's the thing about this. This is this screams that the Pac-12 just doesn't have uh, any sense of its st- status 
in the Power Five, in the college football universe. They think they're the Big Ten. They think they're the SEC. They're not even in the same classification as those two conferences. There's a reason why your top two dogs, if you're the Pac-12, left for the Big Ten. So I'm going to say this. It's crazy to think about this, but BYU, for so many years, so many years, 12 in fact, that we were hoping that BYU could get the leap to go to the Power Five. And uh, when they got the invite to the Big 12, everybody was saying that the Big 12 was already shaky at best and it wasn't uh, going to last long and uh, programs were going were gonna to jump. And George Klyovkov, we're not sure if we're going to go shopping there yet last year at Pac-12 Media Days. Guess what? Tables have turned. Brett Yormark, he undercut the big the Pac-12 by getting that Big 12 deal done. But how genius does it look right now? And if you're a Cougar fan out there, if you're a BYU fan, you're a Big 12, sustain the 12 dude, whatever you want to, however you want to term it, it's looking a whole lot more steady uh, than what the Pac-12's got going on right now. But that brings me to my next point. We'll talk about this here in just a moment. The third goal that Brett Yormark has kind of stated for this conference is now finally, the, the deck is cleared. Uh, they, they have the opportunity now to make this move, and it involves potentially chasing some other Pac-12 teams. We'll get to that here momentarily. First, a word on our friends over at FanDuel. Of course, this year, the only app you'll need at your Super Bowl party is the FanDuel app. It's America's number one sportsbook in app form. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because of the number one sportsbook in America, and that is our friends over at FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. The more important part is you want to download the FanDuel app now so you can bet on Super Bowl 57 on Sunday with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. You're right, three grand, up to three grand back in that no-sweat first bet. The best part is FanDuel lets you bet on everything, no matter what it is, the score, uh, the, the score line, uh, spreads. You want prop bets. You want to bet on how long the halftime show is going to go, whatever you want to do. They've got it available to you now. Uh, what color the Gatorade that might be spilled on the coach after they win the Super Bowl? It's all available to you now. The FanDuel Sportsback, FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. And best of all, you can get your paid win, you get your winnings paid out to you instantly from our friends at FanDuel. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com/slash/locked-on to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com/slash/locked-on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars part of your day, my friends. I want to encourage you, if you have not done so already, make sure you check out the, our brand new podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place, plus from plus here from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. That's Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so I mentioned there is a, there's a, the three uh, parts here of what uh, George Klyovkov is, well, not George Klyovkov, what Brett Yormark is trying to endeavor to do here uh, with the Big 12 Conference. Well, the third one has finally come into view, and that uh, comes via Ross Dellinger. It says, after negotiating OU and Texas's exit, the Big 12 and Commissioner Brett Yormark are expected to, quote, aggressively pursue, unquote, further expansion, a source tells SI, uh, Sports Illustrated. Expansion is the third of three goals that Brett Yormark
Mark set for his first year in office. Number one, TV deal, check. $31.6 million to start with. There are estimations that deal could get to up to $50 million by the end of it. We'll see where it ultimately pans out, but 31.6 is where it starts. Number two, Texas and Oklahoma exit. Done deal. That's all done now. They're going to leave in 2024. And then number three, further expansion. Now, I tweeted this earlier this week. Uh, obviously, the Pac-12 is out there. George Klavkov was trying to make a quote-unquote secret um, uh, visit to SMU. We got outed big time by multiple entities and outlets. Pictures of him uh, sitting at the SMU game, etc. Okay, they are they were talking to the Pac-12 in, once again in just a pompous nature because everything they seem to do completely goes... Uh, what they say versus what they do stands in stark contrast against one another. They talked about the fact, we're going to lock up this media right still, then we're going to look at expansion. And then suddenly, uh, there's reports from Dennis Stott, etc. saying that, well, actually to get the number even close to what they're hoping to get, to even match maybe what the Big 12 is getting, they have to expand right now, and they have to bring in San Diego State and SMU. And they may have to sign more than half of their uh, rights away for primary game rights to a streaming service, whether that's Amazon, on down the list of of streaming partners. The Pac-12, they they got problems. And if I'm Brett Yormark, I am making uh, calls to Oregon. Washington, the Four Corner Schools, Arizona's, Colorado, Utah. I'm making all those phone calls. Uh, of those six, I would think it would be the schools that the, Pac, the, the Big 12 would be most interested in from the Pac-12. Uh, the Big Fish are obviously Oregon and, uh, and Washington. If you can get those two, you absolutely bag them. I'd love nothing more than to see the Arizona schools jump into the conference. I think it would be a phenomenal partner uh, for BYU. Colorado is actually a former Big 12 member. We all know that, uh, but obviously becoming home to its ancestral homeland, so to say. The one program that's been a little bit of an outlier, and it's just by the comments they have made, is Utah. They seem fully intent, speaking of the Utes, to stick with the Pac-12. And I don't blame them. This is the conference that gave them their chance. They want to make good. They obviously have been dominating that conference for the last few years. Very, very important to them to stay atop what's going on. The Pac-12 is going to have to move very quickly to secure and make sure everybody feels like they're going to stay locked in with this. Because if I'm Brett Yormark, I'm pressing the pedal to the floor and we are going full bore ahead. Because if you can strengthen yourself and maybe fatally cripple a uh, 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 what you call a rival of yours, I guess, uh, an opponent, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call the Pac-12. If you can fatally wound them or just uh, or cripple them at, at very minimum, you do it. Brett Yormark, people. Brett Yormark is a guy from the East Coast and doesn't give to you know what about uh, doing his job the right way. If he has to hurt some feelings along the way, it doesn't feel like he even gives one iota of what people think about it. His job is to put the Big 12 in the best position possible. And right now, it feels like, and maybe this, the tables can change, it seems like they often do, but right now, the Big 12 is in the catbird seat and they have an opportunity to really just make some moves here. If some of these Pac-12 schools are truly rethinking their loyalty to their conference, you've got to push the accelerator to the floor. I thought earlier this week that uh, trying to scoop up maybe SMU and San Diego State to essentially make it so they didn't really have any true expansion partners might be the play. That's not the play anymore. The play now, go get Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Oregon, Washington. Take them all off the list. Let them tell you no. You make the phone call and say, hey, you reconsidering uh, sticking with that conference over there? You want to come join us, uh, make us a, a true power player across the country? 
Come hop in. Let's do this thing. That's what that's what the Big 12 needs to do. This has got to be a time for them to be super aggressive and chase any and all opportunities to strengthen this conference and maybe make it the third best conference in the country. There are people out there, naysayers, who are like, well, they got the, the, the mini four coming in with the OK8. Well, guess what? The Big 12 suddenly looks like a life raft that some Pac-12 schools may want to hop in after they have been thumping their chest saying, oh, we'll match that. No, we're actually going to outdo that. No, you're not, because everything, all the reporting is completely shifted. According to what uh, George Klyavkov thought, he thought they could get $40 million. I remember seeing some of these Pac-12 apologists, as I call them in the media, saying that, okay, we're looking at probably between 31 and $35 million, but they're going to outdo what uh, the Big 12 has done. Now the projections, certain people out there are reporting 25 28 30 million at the very most and that's going to have to be with Amazon or a streaming partner making up the bulk of that cash. Fox has already told the Pac-12 pound sand. We don't want anything to do with you. We got the two entities we want. They're in the Big 10 now. Uh USC and UCLA. ESPN is going to try and uh, obviously keep that alive because they like the late night programming window, but it's a very, very tenuous time, it feels like, for the Pac-12. And if you're Brett Yormark, you go out there and you try and bag as many big fish as you possibly can. Like I said, the priority, obviously, Oregon and Washington. Those are the two you make the first two phone calls to and make overtures to and say, okay, what do you guys want? What are you looking for? The next one I would, go, the next two I'd go after are the Arizona schools. Bring in Arizona and Arizona State. Number uh, five on my list, it's Colorado. Uh, if you want to go to the Bay Area, so be it. Uh, Stanford, Cal, whatever. I don't think they bring that much, but they do bring the Bay Area in theory, if that really matters to you, market size. It's more about streaming and what programs will bring eyeballs. That That's where it stands. But there is no reason for the Big 12 to say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to sit back. And that's nothing. That's something they have not done. Brett Yormark, he is a man of action. He has absolutely gotten after it at every turn since taking over this job with the Big 12 Conference. And I got to tip my cap to him. This dude just makes shrewd move after shrewd move. He seems to have just uh, just hit on all the high notes so far, whereas George Klyovkov and the Pac-12, they say one thing, but the reality is it's something almost completely different. So crazy, crazy times in the conference realignment game as it continues to just spin and spin and spin. But right now, that's looking pretty good uh, if you're a Big 12 member, and that's exactly where BYU's at. It's kind of funny uh, to think about where BYU was at just two years ago, and now suddenly they may be in the third best conference, or th- I guess the third most stable conference in a way, in all of the Power Five, because we all know the ACC. They've got all kinds of grumbling uh, going into that conference because they signed the grander rights that takes them to the middle part of next decade before they can truly renegotiate uh, their media rights still. So it's looking like uh, if you're a BYU fan, Life's pretty good, and BYU's not even, quote-unquote, officially in the conference. Uh, this this conference realignment period, folks, has been absolutely nuts, but I, I have enjoyed every minute of it. It just seems like every twist and turn adds new intrigue and new storylines to it, and I cannot wait to see what the next one holds for us. All right, so as we finish out this week on the podcast, uh, a couple of questions came in late after I called for questions in our mailbag edition yesterday. We'll get to those, and if time permits, we'll also get to another one of our games looking back at the independent era for BYU. Uh, some of you might remember a certain Rancheritos incident. 
We may talk about that here in just a moment. First, we need to get a word in on our friends over at UCCU. The UCCU Love Where You Bank is a promise from UCCU. They're made by a local non-for-profit financial institution that is dedicated to helping families improve their financial lives. UCCU delivers on that promise. They pioneer new technologies to make banking safer, easier, and more convenient. They create new products and services that add real value for their members. The best part is they provide easy access to real local human beings who always give personal help or assistance. I can attest to this on my own. I have been a UCCU. UCCU customer. I've been a, a member of UCCU my entire life. My first uh, checking account, my first debit credit card, my first uh, two mortgages, all through UCCU. They are a phenomenal institution. There are many way, uh, many reasons, excuse me, to love banking with UCCU. And right now, they are sharing 14 reasons to love where you bank. Here is the best part: UCCU is always is also giving away a stay at the Grand America Hotel in Salt Lake City, complete with a visit to the Grand Spa until Valentine's Day, both on Facebook and Instagram. See why you'll love banking with. UCCU. When you see one of those posts, love it, and you'll be automatically entered to win the Grand America experience, courtesy of our friends at UCCU. Enter each day, visit UCCU's Facebook or Instagram pages now until Valentine's Day, and enter to win. That's UCCU. Love where you bank. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Be Wearables. I'm wearing one of the shirts today, folks. You can see that right there. It's actually a shirt from China that says, take your hat off. It's actually from a, a I think it's more referring to uh, like hard hats in China for whatever reason inside of a a factory, why would you take your hard hat off? But nonetheless, to take your hat off, I'm not wearing a hat today if you're watching this on YouTube as a result of this. But that's why where Be Wearables comes in. BYU is a global fan base. We all know that. Many of you have lived in different countries. I, for example, lived in Taiwan for two years as an LDS missionary, a missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. BeWearables.co, Beware and Wearables, together has created, has collected real signs from all around the world that are just funny, like this one. Why would you take your hat off in a factory in China? But nonetheless, they turned them into shirts, and that's why you can wear these and have some fun with it. If you squint and tilt your head a little bit, you will discover that life is really funny. Each BeWearables design is based on a real sign that is oddly funny, literally from a Around the world. The best part is this has been created by BYU alumni and fans. They convert uh, silly road signs into high quality t-shirts, hoodies, phone cases, tote bags, and more. The best part is BeWearables.co features hilarious signs from travels all over the world. There are uh, designs from Iceland, Southeast Asia, Brazil, and more. Like I said, this shirt I'm wearing today is from China. BeWearables.co sells all their shirts through Amazon with fast free shipping, and the best part is uh, they are high quality. I absolutely love these shirts. They fit me uh, to a T. That's the best. Uh, I know that's a that's kind of a funny um, what I'm trying to say a uh, funny whatever but regardless back to the the uh, the the oh geez back to the conversation at hand the more important part about this by the way if you see a sign out there that bewearables.co does not have on their website and they've got a bevy of them they also have custom designs that are also available they can make whatever shirt you want them to do so go to bewearables.co that is beware a b l e s dot c o to browse through the collection of funny designs life is funny wear it that's bewearables.co thank you once again for making locked on cougars your first listen of the day Always appreciate you guys checking out the show. You guys are absolutely phenomenal out there. And uh, the response, by the way, uh, to our advertising inquiries has been phenomenal. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you for your support of the podcast, both financially and just overall from your uh, dedication to this podcast. Y'all out there are just great people. I, I, I truly mean that. And thank you uh, for being a part of this. Now, a couple of questions, as I mentioned, uh, came in late yesterday. Our first one comes in from Cougar underscore Badger. She is the BYU gal on Twitter. I would encourage you guys to follow her. She's always got great insights on sports that she is passionate about. She says, who would you say are the top five? college football head coaches in the Big 12? That's an interesting question. I would say off the top of my head, I'd have to say that uh, 
Sonny Dykes, obviously leading his team to the national championship game this year from TCU. It's a very impressive thing that he did. I think that uh, Chris Kleiman at Kansas State, they are the Big 12 champions. They beat TCU in the Big 12 championship. He's done very, very good things at K-State since coming over from North Dakota State. I have to add him to that list. I would have had Luke Fickle on this list from Cincinnati, but he's now at, at Wisconsin, so you can cross him off the list. Other guys I would consider to be amongst the top. Uh, for the time being, I think that uh, Steve Sarkeesian has to be on that list, uh, the former BYU quarterback leading the Texas Longhorns. I know they're leaving after this year, so I have to revamp that list, but he's on that list. I- I'm going to be a homer and say that Kalani Satake should be on this list. He has embraced everything that BYU is about. This is a guy who grew up a BYU fan, played for Lavelle Edwards, learned at the foot of one of the true masters uh, of head coaching and just being a true delegator and uh, trusting your guys. Kalani's been all of that, and he's done very, very good things at BYU. I think he's embraced, embraced everything about being BYU and being the head coach here. I, I think that he's one of the top five in this conference. And if you want a fifth one, you can probably toss Brett Venables in there maybe. Mike Gundy seems like he it probably has fallen off a little bit. I would have last year would have said Mike Gundy might be the number one guy. But based on how this past season went for Oklahoma State, I just don't think you can put him all on that list. Uh, I think that also you probably have to consider, uh, who am I thinking of at, at Kansas? Uh, Lance Leipold. Uh, he's done very, very good things resurrecting just an absolutely Awful Kansas team. So those are some names for you, uh, Cougar Badger. Hopefully that answers your question. Next one uh, comes in via Greg Romano, our good friend at 201TDS. says, for tonight, if possible, Keaton Slovis posted some pictures on Instagram of him and a few others in and around the BYU campus. It seems like he's working hard to bond with the team, ingrain himself in BYU's culture, and ingratiate himself with BYU fans. It's a great word, ingratiate. There's a good good, uh, note there, Greg. Your thoughts. Uh, I think you nailed it. He absolutely has done everything right. He's hitting all the high notes. He's actually been down in Southern California and San Clemente staying with the Rex family based on what I understand, uh, working out with John Beck at 3D QB, working on his skills. John Beck's actually a big reason why he even considered BYU in the first place. They have a connection there and uh, Beck uh, was a kind of a linchpin to conversations between the two parties, and he absolutely has been very, very good. He's attended LDS church meetings on campus with some of his teammates. This is a guy who seems like, okay, I know what this is all about. I'm absolutely going to get after it here, and I think that he, he absolutely ingratiate himself with his teammates and fans. That's exactly what Keaton Slovis has done. Ultimately, if he's the guy on the football field who can get the job done, throwing touchdown passes, leading this BYU offense, making it as good as it has been over the past few seasons, that's truly going to elevate him. We all know that. It's all about the play on the field. But in the early goings of showing up on campus and, like I said, embracing everything that BYU is all about, it seems like he's hit every high note you can possibly hit. So, yeah, I I agree with you, Greg. He's done a really, really good job there. Now, one other question here uh, that involves the quarterback competition. This comes from uh, the Woodhaven at D Stokes 11 on Twitter. Is there any way Retzlaff, speaking of Jake Retzlaff, the junior college quarterback, beats out uh, Keaton Slovis? He actually called him Clovis, which is kind of a funny uh, alliteration, smashing the two together. What if he is just miles ahead? Does he start or sit? Now, I can tell you this much. uh, If Jake Retzlaff comes in and is just, like I said, like you mentioned, head and shoulders above what Keaton Slovis has been uh, or what he is in practice for BYU, they will not hesitate to put the best player on the football field. Kalani Satake has made that a point throughout his tenure. He learned early on from the Tanner Mangum thing. If you remember, they anointed Tanner Mangum as the starter going into a season, and it just did not work. They had to uh, change quarterbacks uh, midstream to figure things out to Zach Wilson. So, they know, uh, it wasn't even, no, it wasn't Zach Wilson. It was the year they played the four quarterbacks in 2017. I apologize. But I remember the, they anointed uh, Tanner Mangum to be the guy, and it just did not work out. I think Kalani Stake learned a very hard and good lesson during that uh, 
debacle, saying that, you know what, every season, every position is up for grabs, no matter how entrenched the starter might be. If a guy comes in and truly proves himself to be the better option, we will put him on the football field. So, yeah, if Jake Retzlaff shows up and Keaton Slovis falters and Retzlaff just looks night and day different, like the the guy, if he if he's the prowess that he showed at the junior college level translates to the Power 5 level and he can be just the next star quarterback for BYU, yeah, BYU might sit Slovis down and say, you know what, we apologize, we thought you were going to be the guy, but you have fallen behind this dude and we're going to to put him on the football field. I don't see why they would bench this dude in favor of Slovis. It just doesn't make sense. Now, I'm not convinced that jumping straight from junior college to the Power 5 ranks is going to be the smoothest transition for Jake Retzleff. We've had him on this podcast. I really like his mentality. He says, I'm just going to go out there and compete every single day. I do think it'll take him some time to get up to speed to playing at this level. The one thing that Keaton Slovis does have in his back pocket is every single season of football he has played so far has been at the Power 5 level. This is a guy who's never played at the G5 level. He's, he is a Power 5 quarterback. The speed of the game is not going to be a problem for him. Now, you obviously have to produce. You have to go out there and prove yourself on the football field, but uh, if Retzlaff does show out, I have no reason to think that BYU would not hesitate in putting him on the football field. I, I, I... Maybe I could be wrong about that, but I just don't see that happening. All right, before we go on today's show, uh, just a basketball note. I'm actually recording this during the BYU basketball game. If you see me glancing over, I've actually been checking on the score as we're going along here. But uh, we'll catch up on everything with basketball uh, coming up on Monday. Huge showdown, by the way, tomorrow night at uh, Gonzaga. BYU wants to really assert themselves and prove that, hey, we can be a, a force down the stretch here, maybe be a little bit of a pest going into the WCC tournament. Go and beat Gonzaga on their home court. It's much easier said than done. Uh, LMU did it this year, and that's obviously got Gonzaga. They've, they've been struggling a little bit. They also lost to St. Mary's, so they have been mortal, so to say, this year, speaking of the Bulldogs, but it's a tough place to play, to go up to the kennel and win the game, but it's on it's on at 8 o'clock tomorrow night, a Saturday night. Uh, looking forward to that one, and we'll see what ultimately shakes out uh, between these two, but it, it's one of those games you got to keep an eye on. Absolutely. If you're a BYU fan, it could uh, spell out a lot of what we should expect from BYU basketball going down the stretch run of the season. Uh, so, final thing before we go on today's show. We've been looking back at all 155 games of BYU's football history. Now, we're getting into the tail end of the 2012 season now, and BYU faced off against the Idaho Vandals on a very uh, snowy night. Uh, this was on November 11th, if, I'm, if I recall correctly. Yeah, it's November 11th, and BYU uh, beat the Vandals 52-13. to Now, Idaho had uh, previously fired head coach Rob Akey, had dismissed their starting quarterback. They were in dire straits. They were 1-8 coming into this game. Uh, BYU 5-4 and four coming off a pretty solid win over Georgia Tech the week, uh, two weeks before, actually, the bye week before they played this game. But there was an incident. Uh, some of you might recall the Rancheritos incident. Uh, Joe Sampson and Zach Stout, among other BYU football players, uh, caught at that Rancheritos just off of, uh, if you go down University Avenue, you kind of come across, you know where the DI is at down there, where that Rancheritos used to be. Uh, no, it's not, on, it's not on University Avenue. It's on 5th uh, West, State Street. And uh, there was a... <laughs> Well, an incident uh, involving a female who was getting uh, just like catcalled, if I recall correctly, by some other guys. Stout and Samson, who were with the girl, said, hey, cut it out. And it ended up in a brawl, all-out brawl. And guys uh, spilling into the salsa bar <laughs> there at the Rancheritos got caught on uh, the CC cameras inside the inside the restaurant. Uh, police were called. All kinds of craziness. Many of you will call this. It's, there's the famous uh, photo of the guy jumping into the salsa bar. I might have been Stout, if I recall correctly. Had bright pink 
Halloween shorts. This is actually, like I think, a Halloween night, if I recall correctly, how things went down in this. But crazy, crazy stuff. Well, Joe Sampson and Zach Stout obviously got suspended for this game. But BYU just made quick work of Idaho. Uh, Riley Nelson, 19 of 31, 236 yards and three touchdowns. We talked about Jamal Williams and his breakout game in this Georgia Tech matchup. Well, he followed that up with a 10-carry, 104-yard performance. That's a grand total of 10.4 yards per carry, as well as two touchdowns on the ground for him. It was a, just a phenomenal outing. Cody Hoffman uh, caught all three of the touchdown passes from Riley Nelson. He had 108 yards receiving in this game. BYU just went out and absolutely just stomped on Idaho. But the the, the bigger storyline coming into this game was the, the suspensions for these players. What was going to ultimately happen uh, with guys like Zach Stout and Joe Sampson because they've been a big part of BYU's defense the entire season especially Joe Sam- Sampson being a starting safety for BYU. But it just, for whatever reason, uh, that incident will forever live with me because just the hilarious nature of it. And I, know, I know it was serious, obviously, guys fighting. You never want to see that. But the, 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 whole, the whole video of the guys jumping into the salsa bar, just flailing all over the place, I can't help but look back and laugh at that. It's one of those crazy, crazy things that just one of those memories that comes up as you talk about these, these games between Idaho and BYU. Uh, but like I said, th- this game... Idaho was completely overmatched. BYU just just dominated. But the the storyline heading into it from the Rancheritos incident that that'll always uh, it'll always bring a smile to my face because of the I remember this was in the early days of Twitter. But Twitter has become so toxic in so many ways. This was the kind of the heyday of Twitter where it was really lighthearted and some of the jokes and just the fun nature of that Rancheritos incident from Twitter during that period will forever bring a smile to my face. Uh, guys like Zach blocks him out there, not necessarily on Twitter a lot anymore. They were like legends in my mind way back when, having so much fun with it. I had fun with it. You can probably go back through my uh, tweets about that incident uh, way back when. It's been a plus a decade plus now, but just man, uh, the Rancheritos game is what I'm calling this. The Idaho BYU game. It was the Rancheritos game because it was the first game after that Rancheritos incident. And like I said, just one of those things that there are there are kind of like hallmarks of the independent era and that Rancheritos incident. That's one of the early ones in BYU's independent era. All right, so there you go. That's it for today's show. A big thank you, by the way, for all of your guys' support. I mean it sincerely that you guys are absolutely phenomenal out there. Thank you for making the time to join us every single day, making us your first listen of the day. want to encourage you guys, if you have not done so, check out the Locked On Big 12 podcast. Josh Neighbors does a great job getting you caught up on all the Big 12 news. I'm sure he's got plenty of spicy thoughts on what the Pac-12 is trying to do versus what the Big 12 is capable of doing. I was part of the roundtable edition they did earlier this week. If you want to check that out, just search out Locked On Big 12. Get it wherever you get your podcast. It's also available on YouTube just like this show. All right, that's going to do it for this Friday edition of the podcast. Hope you all are doing well. Once again, we'll have a full recap of BYU basketball. Maybe if some other craziness happens with the Big 12 and the Pac-12, maybe George George Klyovkov pulls a rabbit out of his hat. Maybe Brett Yormark delivers one of those knockout blows to the Pac-12. Who knows what's coming up next? We'll have it all covered for you guys. We'll do a special edition if we have to over the weekend. But coming back on Monday, we'll have you caught up on the entirety of the weekend and obviously looking ahead to whatever is next for BYU and the Big 12 Conference. So until then, have a great rest of your day, my friends. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.